Today is part two of a sermon called America the Beautiful. And so if you haven't watched part one from last week's service, in order to really get your money's worth, uh, you might want to go back and do that now. But let's pick up uh, where we left off with the last stanza of that, that beautiful poem uh, by Langston Hughes, Let America Be America Again. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains and the endless plain, all, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again. We the people must redeem. We the people. I have a memory of seeing those words from the preamble to the Constitution on a poster, I suppose, in some early social studies class. I was fascinated by the fancy script and the size of those letters. Remember how much larger they were, those three opening words, compared to the rest? As if the founders wanted to say, if you can't remember anything else, remember that this is about we the people. But let's do remember the rest. We the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. We the people, not we the Congress, not we the President, not we the corporations or the celebrities or the political action committees, the people. Now, I ask you to reflect this week on what values you think make America beautiful. And your thoughts may have turned at some point, as mine did, to that quintessential American value of liberty. There's probably nothing we as Americans value more than our freedom. From the moment we declared our independence from the tyranny of England and its taxation without representation, we declared ourselves the land of the free. And we've been fighting about what that means ever since. Most of our arguments as a country boil down to a debate over freedom. The freedom to carry an assault rifle, the freedom to abort a pregnancy, the freedom to say what we want, wave the flag we want, smoke what we want, marry the person we want, refuse to serve the customer we want, protest in the streets if we want. But there is another kind of freedom, a distortion, I believe, of the kind of freedom the founders had in mind. It asserts that my individual rights are more important than anything else that so long as it's legal, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, and I don't have to consider 
how it impacts you. But this is not freedom. It's selfishness. It's not liberty. It's entitlement. Take, for example, the current debate over wearing masks. Now, I hate these things. They're hot, you can't hear people, and it's robbed us of that most precious of human gifts, our smile. And there's plenty of room for debate on exactly when and where we should be wearing them, but to stubbornly refuse to wear a mask at all on the grounds that no one is going to tell me what to do, when that decision could cost someone else their life, is not to exercise one's freedom. It's to exercise one's immaturity. It is to refuse to accept what all grown-ups must, that we live in a web of relationship and our actions impact others. And in order to make life with others work, we take their needs into consideration and we make compromises. The insistence that I have the right to do whatever I want is not what makes this country great. It is when we set aside such selfish impulses and choose instead the welfare of the community. It is our commitment to care for others that makes America so beautiful. It is, in short, when we love our neighbor. And Jesus, as far as I can tell, talks very little about individual freedom and one's right to do as one pleases. What he does talk about is caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan. What he does talk about is making sacrifices in the service of others. God is not so impressed with our rugged individualism. We are to love God and love our neighbor. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, last week I mentioned Catherine Lee Bates, the poet who wrote America the Beautiful in 1893. Today, I want to lift up a contemporary of Catherine's, another female poet named Emma Lazarus, pictured here. Emma, 10 years before, in 1883, wrote a poem called The New Colossus. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome, her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep, ancient lands, your storied pomp, she cries with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore, send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Now, Emma spent much of her life advocating for the poor Jewish immigrants who arrived in America from Russia. 
And she wrote this poem to be sold at an auction, raising money for the building of the Statue of Liberty. And in 1903, 16 years after she died of Hodgkin's lymphoma at age 38, her poem was enshrined on the statue's pedestal. And what Emma understood was that real liberty has less to do with our personal rights and more to do with what is possible when we choose to care about others. What's so inspiring about America is the audacity that we have shown to imagine that we can welcome the world. Our insistence that there is room enough and opportunity enough, hope enough and compassion enough to welcome even the huddled masses the rest of the world doesn't want. That's the kind of liberty that makes us, America, the beautiful. And I know many of you, like me, are worried about that America. And maybe indeed it's too late. Maybe we have allowed the materialism and the greed and the cult of celebrity and the sham of public servants who are anything but to go on unchecked for too long. And maybe the America Langston Hughes dreamed about, the America Catherine Bates and Emma Lazarus dreamed about, the America John Lewis dreamed about. Maybe the dream of that America is dead. Maybe. But as my son and I drove through the grand canyons and the purple mountain majesty of the Southwest this summer, I felt a spark, not a flame, but a spark of hope. And I realized that it was the landscape itself that was inspiring me, just as it has done for so many others before. Maybe what we need, maybe what we need to do is to insist that we all take a drive, preferably one Democrat and one Republican per car through the great Southwest and let America the beautiful remind us all what's at stake. And if not all of us, well then let's at least make Congress do it. Can you imagine Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell in a car for eight days? Makes me smile. And maybe, just maybe, with the perspective that only something like the Grand Canyon can offer, we would begin to see each other as people again. Even, dare I say it, neighbors. And instead of focusing so intently on me and my rights, maybe the beauty of the landscape would help us rediscover the beauty of serving each other and putting our community first. The beauty of compassion and sacrifice and commitment to something larger than ourselves. The beauty of we, we the people. <laughs>